on this week's episode, what has fascinated us about Loki? Is it time to return to Eternia with He-Man? And we close the doors on E3 2021. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. Truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows. And if you can, please give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at Pop Culture Cosmos and PopCultureCosmos.com. And also, last-minute Father's Day shopping? Want to go ahead and go over to the best place to go for men's grooming products? That is Manscaped.com because the Lakers Fast Break, our sister show, has a special code for you. Go ahead and get anything from Manscaped.com and just type in the code, all one word, Fast Break. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping from our friends at the Lakers Fast Break and the Hoopheads Podcast Network. Remember, all one word, Fast Break, and you'll get 20% off plus free shipping at Manscaped.com. Well, we're going to have a great episode for you today. Josh and Marcus have the day off. And we're going to go ahead and catch up with Josh on Monday's program. I've got recaps for you from day three and day four at E3 2021. Got a great list of guests coming. In fact, first off, day three at E3 2021, we did a wrap up there talking about a lot of great things in the video game realm with great guests. Andrew Davis from Pop Anime Comics and CEO Spoken King from the T-Corner Podcast and 44th and Flushing on the Fishbowl Radio Network about what took place with Intellivision, Razor, 2K Interactive, and Capcom. We'll have a little bit of that episode for you on today's program. Plus, day four of E3 2021 with Nintendo was covered by Sean Garmer from W2Mnet.com, Chase Pond from Pond's Press, Noe and Fine from Honeyqueen, Twitch streamer Sean Shamrock, and Hamanish Goel. And we'll have a segment from that on the back half of the show coming up for you as well. If you want to listen to the entire Day 3 and Day 4 from E3 2021 reports and panels that we did, the entire episodes of each will be available on the Pop Culture Cosmos channel wherever you get your podcasts. Plus also as well, we've got Noe and Fine doing double duty on today's show. He's going to be sharing his thoughts on Loki and also as well, He-Man, which got a nice debut trailer last week on Geek Week from Netflix. So we're going to talk about his hopes for that upcoming series as well. Plus, Ellen Glassford, my daughter, she's on the back end of the show talking about Loki Episode 2 and her thoughts on that series and why it's becoming such a good conversational piece the Marvel Universe coming up on the back half of the show as well. But first, 
We talked to Andrew Davis from Pop Anime Comics and CEO Spoken King from the T-Corner Podcast and 44th and Flushing on the Fishbowl Radio Network. They're coming up first with their great conversation that we had as part of our Day 3 panel. So here's that coming up right now. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Andrew, I wanted to ask you real quick about your thoughts on the weekend. Was there anything that stood out to you? I sort of teased a little bit where obviously I'm an Xbox guy. So it was Microsoft yeah. and yeah. Game Passes is kind of where we were going with it. And well, that's I what it, they want you to do. I mean, and, seriously. But but I'm excited for, for Xbox. I like it. I like the fact what stood out to me, I think it's really important, is the fact that they did a joint statement and they were out there with Bethesda, which they're closing on. I think they just closed on them or they're about to close with them for $7.5 billion, I want to say. I think um, it's over eight. 8.4, if I remember correctly. It, it's up there. <laughs> and it's, so, uh, you know, I've got that right here stored in my Bitcoin right here. That No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, yeah, it, it's a lot of money. Absolutely. And so and so, I think it's very important that they made a joint statement, meaning these two companies are together now. Yeah. And I think, I think it sends a message to the entire industry. Well, in they let off ways. their conference with Starfield, and uh, they wanted to go ahead and make sure and ended it. I believe, with Redfall, which is also from the Arcane Studios. So that's something that they wanted to make sure, so, like you said. But they're that, making a clear statement saying that, hey, Bethesda is ours, and this isn't operating as a separate company. Even though Xbox sets everything up as a separate company or a subsidiary, Bethesda is in the family now, for lack of a better word. Your thoughts, though, uh, Andrew, on this as an Xbox guy, uh, you know, it's smack dab in the middle which I kind of criticized Microsoft on, was Halo Infinite and what their announcements were on the game. They showed you a little bit of this. They showed you a little bit of that about as far as what to expect in the campaign and then the multiplayer. Well, I'm, the that they talked about. I'm the worst person to well, ask about this. Well, the only reason why I say that is because they stuck it in the middle. They've always either put it at the front or at the back, right where people have the biggest impressions of a video game. And to me, it, it kind of signaled to me that they were treating it almost like another, you know, it's another game. Because they just put it, okay, you had game announcement, game announcement, game announcement, and then you had Halo Infinite, then you had game announcement, game announcement, game announcement. It's like, okay, if you didn't know what was yeah. going on, it just felt like it was just another game they threw out there. To me, so, always the first and the last thing that they show, to me, is the most important. I mean, I'm, that's I'm just... A, I'm going to give a WWE analogy because it, it's perfect. Anybody who knows wrestling is that Halo used to be Roman Reigns. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now... Halo is Cesaro. Okay? Good analogy. It's a mid-carder. And it also states that maybe Microsoft is changing what they're putting money into and what their faith is into. Where now Halo, they've said, hey, we've maxed out everything we got on Halo. It's a good, solid game for us. It's going to make us money. But it's not going to be our superstar game anymore. It's not going to It's be- not their future. It's the fact that they might have another 10 years of it. They can produce it. It'll make more money than it will cost to produce. But they're saying, hey, we know for a fact that Halo got us to where we are and we want to respect it. And it's in our heritage and in our history as a company. But we got to look forward to the next thing. And I think that's what it states in a lot of ways. You agree with that, Terrence? Well, I, I see I see Halo more like a um, we're going to use a wrestling term. OK. It's okay if you don't pick Cesaro. Uh, I'm okay. No, I just no, like Cesaro. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Cesaro is good in, in today's time. But let's say if somebody like Triple H came out just for one match, 
that's Halo to me. Because you know, Halo is going to attract the money. It's going to attract the fan base. It's going to do what it needs to do. But, you know, you just use it for certain seasons. And for them to have that in the middle, that, that, that that's odd. So it would be like almost like touching on nostalgia. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much like touching on nostalgia. It's like, yo, hey, yeah, we got this Halo game right here. But let's go back to what we was talking about. You know, yeah. that, that that's what it seemed like if, if like, since they want to put Halo in the middle of their whole announcement, like, no, no, if if this is, like, somebody that you bring in back and stuff, you know, you want to, like, bring it with some Capcom. When, yeah. when, they, when they brought out Resident Evil, they they did their little, their little introduction. Then all of a sudden, they showed you, like, clips of it, and it brought out the fans, like, excitement for it. Like, but for Halo right now, they they treat it like Cesaro when it's like should be like a Shawn Michaels. Like, yeah, you know it's gonna bring you money. Well, but... it's to- totally changed from one year to the next. Because remember, last year, what was the marquee game that they showed off at E3 2020, mm-hmm. and that was Halo yeah. Infinite. And uh, mm-hmm. flash forward one year later, a game that's coming out this year, one of the few exclusive titles for Xbox. And I'm an Xbox fan too. I thought in the last series, you know, mm-hmm. I have I have every system, but it, to me, I thought the Xbox One was, you know, a quality system, and I thought that was something that they could build upon. But again, they've not been able to produce any exclusives, and the few exclusives that they have coming out this year, they should mm-hmm. put that on the marquee and talk about that. And unfortunately, they didn't really do that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Forza Horizon, they they talked at length on even though that no. was still kind of in the middle as well, but that mm-hmm. I just felt that was more special to them than Halo. Am I wrong, Andrew? Yeah, I, I think, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm biased. Obviously I don't love Halo, um, but, 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 but I, I think that Forza, Forza which was up top more yeah. than Halo. I think, I think they're putting money in the Forza series and saying, Hey, maybe this is the future. And look, Forza Horizon 4, for, for what it's worth, is a beautifully animated game. Forza Horizon 5 looks amazing. And from, from an aesthetic standpoint, that those games look great. But I, I think that they're saying, hey, this is our future. And I think that's what it's saying in a lot of ways. Pleasure to have both the CEO, Spoken King, and also Andrew Davis. You Just tremendous having them here, part of E3 Day 3. want to mention Jamie Monroy, who... Has been commenting all this time. I want to thank you so much for watching. Yeah, it's, he's been saying it's it's slowly becoming the Undertaker. I thought he that was a good analogy as well. He said, "Time to yeah. hang it up, but squeeze every little red cent out of it. Just you know, every little last dollar you can out of it." I'd love for them to finally fix, fully fix the Master Chief Collection, but that's just me. But hey, uh, you know, I, I'll tell too you what. Analogy, though. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But a great weekend so far. Some things, some hits, some misses, as always with E3. But before we head on out, guys, Nintendo. Terrence, I'm going to start with you. And you've been both guys have been great on this show, and I cannot thank you enough for being a part of it. What are you expecting from Nintendo or Bandai Namco? I would rather for Nintendo to come out with a tight game. Like, okay, so 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 you you have this console. Okay, so you pretty much bringing out an updated version of this console. I'm like, 
no, no, man. Go go back to what brought you to the dance. Like, like bring out the games that attract us to y'all. And that that's what Nintendo to me has been losing out on. Like they have some good games and stuff, but they need to have that good hit game that's gonna be able to fight with Resident Evil or you know, Madden and stuff like this. I'm I'm just waiting for for Nintendo to bring something that like because I grew up with Nintendo when it was hot and popping when you had the 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 NES and the Super NES and everybody could name off what was their favorite on the NES and what was their favorite on the Super Nintendo. Like for me, I could be like, okay, Nintendo. Oh yeah, it was Mario and Duck Hunt with Super Nintendo. It was Killer Instinct. I can name it off, but with the Switch, it's like I haven't been feeling Nintendo for a while. And it's not a bad thing, but it's just something that they need to approve on. Andrew? So, yeah. So, I don't know much about a Switch. The only thing, and I don't own a Switch, and I'm thinking about buying one, and the only reason why I buy one is to play Pokemon. That's the only reason why to buy a Switch. Because an open world Pokemon is on the way. And 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 that that is the only reason to buy a Switch. I'm a Pokemon guy. I love Pokemon. I obviously have personal connections to it. I grew up watching it. But yeah, there's something lacking with the Switch. I mean, we go back to the Nintendo Wii. Yeah. Um, one of the things about the Nintendo Wii that brought Nintendo, and when Nintendo was hot, and it was the advantage over an Xbox and a PS3 mm-hmm. at the time, was that you had all that motion sensing, and they attracted a whole bunch of people who were not gamers to their mm-hmm. system. And you attracted oh, yeah. people who were families to it. You attracted old people, people who were sort of saying, we fit, which was really, really smart. And they created a whole brand new market. And Nintendo's missing that with the Switch. And I don't even think you need a game necessarily that's like a competitive game. You need a whole new market. And I think Nintendo is missing the ball on it. And yeah. the only saving grace they got is Pokemon. Because Pokemon will sell 20 to 30 40 million copies. Easy without much work. It's Damn, the I'm, only I'm, thing that's saving them, and it's great. And I'm going to tell you something about that Wii. When they came out with the Wii Sports, yeah, my nephew, once again, that's how he got in gaming, that Wii Bowling. <laughs> yes, indeed. But uh, it, 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 I mean, it, Exactly. It went outside just us as gamers. It yeah. went to a general audience. It connected with a consumer. It connected with your mom. It connected with your dad. It connected with your grandparents. Connected with your uncle, aunts, whoever. It just seemed to connect with an audience. They, that... There's a great phrase called a blue ocean strategy. Yeah, a blue ocean strategy is when you find a brand new ocean of consumers. Yep, and that's what the Nintendo Wii is. And there's a yeah. book called Blue Ocean Strategy. And you know, if you want to understand that entire what I'm saying, that's what it is. And it really the Nintendo Wii was that. And it made Nintendo a boatload of money. And well, there, it was brilliant, and they need to do it again. Well, that, there is speculation that they're going to bring out a, a successor or a Nintendo Switch Pro that will get – I'm sorry, I said 720, but it's 1080. I think they're shooting for – certainly, maybe even 4K. Who knows how powerful it will be. It will obviously be more expensive, and they're not going to drop the price on these. I know they're not going to drop the price on these. Than that. Uh, no, no, no. Yeah. You, you're asking too much. <laughs> yeah, I'm asking like, way too much of that. Like, 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 that's my problem with the Switch is that if I have to choose a Switch or an iPad, 
my iPad is going to win every single time. Yeah. And it's not even yeah. a gaming thing. My iPad can do way more that. than a Nintendo Switch. And I don't care if you have 10 Pokemon games coming out in an open world. Coming up next, it's Noe and Fine from Hunnic Queen on Loki. And also as well, the upcoming He-Man series from Netflix. So he'll talk about both of those great pop culture products coming up right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. I know you've been hearing about Manscaped on all those other programs and podcasts. Well, Manscaped and the Hoopheads Podcast Network are working together on something fantastic. And oh my goodness, have we got a deal for you. Manscaped.com has just released their wireless, waterproof, and rechargeable Lawnmower 4.0, which offers their trademark skin-safe replaceable blades that gets you the ultra-close shave exactly where you need it. Head on over to manscaped.com and choose from the huge list of men's grooming and lifestyle products, including the ultra-popular Lawnmower 4.0 Body Groomer, and get 20% off at Manscaped, plus free shipping with the promo code FASTBREAK at manscaped.com. That's right, just type in FASTBREAK, all one word at checkout, at Manscaped, and get ready to start looking good this summer from your friends at Manscaped, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thanks for coming back to us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford. Really happy that you're here watching and listening. You know what? I've got some good things to say about Loki in the past. So you want to go ahead and check out my latest PCC Multiverse where I spoke with Marcus De La Garza about the Loki series. Here today to talk about his first impressions with the Loki series, plus something that appeared on Geek Week on Netflix that he's truly excited about. And it's always great to see his excitement and his enthusiasm. So it's always great to see that. But here today to talk about both those things is a good man indeed. You got to catch what he's doing each and every week at Honey Queen and also his show that comes every month to Podbean or wherever you get your podcast entitled Honey Queen as well. It is knowing fine and Noah, Loki, people are all over the map on it. Again, my thoughts were that it was just okay because I'd seen so much in the trailers beforehand, but the last few minutes sets up the rest of the series and what it's all about. So here we go on another great Marvel adventure for Loki. Yeah, this was an interesting one because, as I said before, with Marvel taking back the... MCU to television, what they couldn't do with S.H.I.E.L.D. and Carter, and what they were able to do with WandaVision, what they tried to do with Falcon and Winter Soldier, and what they've done with Loki. Loki was the most talked about, because nobody really knew where Loki was going to go. The story was is that even the showrunners didn't know what was going to happen between Infinity War and Endgame. They just knew that Loki was so popular he was going to get his own series. I honestly... I try to stay away from the trailer because I really did the, the trailers always give away everything and I wanted to be spoiler free, but I couldn't help myself either. I, at first I thought Loki was in hell. It would make sense. He died. He's finding his way out, but then we saw what happened with Endgame, So they kind of changed that. Yeah. And fortunately he's mixed in with the time variance authority or the TVA. Yes, and, and this feels the trail off anywhere between 
the movie Brazil or the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Very good reference. Know. Only you and I would probably know that. Brazil. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Yeah, we, Excellent we, movie. Well, yeah, I did we, mention Terry Gilliam. I did mention in the past that it had a Terry Gilliam-esque type feel. Yeah, I mean, you, you definitely... You know, Indiana Jones has the Nazis, James Bond has the Russians, and I guess for Loki, he's going to have the bureaucrats. And it's not the first time I've seen bureaucrats in a sci-fi dramedy. They were in Futurama, they're in Hitchhikers, they're in Brazil, and now they're in Loki. And I kind of like how this works because it's another take. And I also like how this is something... That has been done in other sci-fi stories, but how they do this a little differently. And apparently, they're 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 pretty much it, it's time cops. But their justification here is that if you break the law of time, you either create a nexus, which could cause you either to be reset. Which I'm not too sure if we start at birth and work your way back up again, or you're erased from existence and you have a whole new life. I'm, I'm really, it, it got a little foggy with that. And when I went on Wikipedia or Marvelpedia to find out what that meant, the only thing I got from it is that I think Loki was coming close to being erased from existence entirely because he is the god of mischief. So they kind of put that aspect in. They did go a little Silence of the Lambs in their own way with, with Owen Wilson as Mobius, where he does interview and interrogate Loki, and it does feel like a Clarice, Dr. Lecter. I mean, after all, we did see Loki with the, the thing on his mouth to prevent them from talking, the same with Hannibal Lecter to prevent them from eating. But I kind of like the chemistry between these two. And Owen Wilson, he's always good in a Wes Anderson movie, but I don't think he gets credit as credit is deserved. He, I don't know if this is true or not. He made a comment that he did audition for Captain America and Iron Man. I don't know if that was true. And I always you mean saw Tom Hiddleston. No, uh, Owen Wilson. Oh, he, there he was just joking. He was just well. You know, here's the thing though, because the more I watch him, and the more I Tom watch Hiddleston him, did try out for Captain yeah, America. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, for Thor. Thor. Yeah, sorry. yeah. But the more that I watch him. And the more that I'm seeing Owen Wilson in those Wes Anderson movies, and I see him in you know in, in this performance, I kind of forget. He does play creepy characters at times. He plays sleazy characters, but I think he he could he could definitely be somewhere in the MCU if if he if he were an Avenger years ago. I could have seen him as maybe Hawkeye, or I could have even seen him as Bruce Banner. But I have to admit, this is one of my favorite Owen Wilson appearances and performances. There's something about him when he just sits with Loki. And again, the, the very first time I saw Owen Wilson was all the way back in um, 1996 with the Cable Guy, because he was friends with Ben Stiller. I don't know if he still is, but he just had that sleazy guy cameo. And over the years, he's he's worked with you know again with Anderson and Stiller. But he's worked several times with Stiller, so I would assume they're very good friends. He's actually spoken about Ben uh, in interviews. So yes, they're. Could very you good imagine 
if Stiller was Bruce Banner, the way that he played Mr. Furious and Mystery yeah, Man, I could, I could almost it would be, I don't think we'd be able to take it seriously. But well, that's the point, yeah. But here's the thing, though. Wilson, I have to admit, he works. He, he, he takes his character. He does voice. work. He, he's very good in his role. He, he, does, he does break down the fact that, okay, we, we know Loki's um, mission is, is that he's always wanted to take over Asgard, take over the world. In Avengers, he was granted Earth. He lost that. Thanos is going to go after him. He kept backstabbing Thor. But, like, how do we evolve this character? Yeah, I get the fact that we haven't killed many Marvel villains in the past, but can they mature? And the only one I can think of at the time was Magneto. But now that we're seeing Loki, I kind of, and again, I know that he's in multiverses, and I know that in some Earths in Marvel, uh, Thor and Loki are not brothers. But I have to admit, I feel that if they make, Loki, the anti-hero, and they keep it up with this. And if Tom Hiddleston wants to continue playing this character, they're giving him a different arc where, yeah, I, I like the interrogation scene where Owen Wilson does flat out ask Loki, do you enjoy harming people? And, and then, I know that's, that's uh, like you said, a very good dynamic between the two. But we yeah. got to wrap this up before we, because uh, you know, I know you want, got a lot to say about He-Man as well. Yeah, so but my bottom line is this. There's great chemistry between the two. I do like yes. the exposition. Yeah, this is it, it, it's definitely up there with WandaVision. I think that's the reason why you need to watch it. Otherwise, there's not much there surrounding it yet. That galaxy and that time traveling needs to be developed a lot more. And I'm sure we're going to be seeing that in future episodes of Loki. But the interplay between those two are simply outstanding. Yes, yes. But before we head on out, my friend, I know you wanted to talk real quick about what was shown off at Geek Week for Netflix, and that is the upcoming He-Man animated series. Actually, you know, there's quite a bit of charm to the animation from the old 80s television show and the only 15 different moves he actually made and that they just superimposed onto frames in different locations and the, and you know, the, I, the running and the, and the, the, the certain pose. And that was, like that was filmation. That was yeah, I know, I understand. It was, yeah, it was that, 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 there's a documentary. We'll talk about filmation another time. And Here's it had its charm back in the day, but need I digress? It is coming out very soon to Netflix. It's an animated series on He-Man. It looks very good, but I know you've got a lot of great things to say about it. Well, I have to say, next to that 2002 He-Man that was on Cartoon Network, that, sorry to say, I, I, I knew it was never going to get a chance, and not enough people know about it, but I do have it on DVD because I do have the complete He-Man collection, so I have the every I have everything. I have the 80s series, I have the 2002, and of course I even have that new Adventures of He-Man. That's number one. As for this trailer, I'm not a huge fan of that song, I Need a Hero. It, I find it to be a little bit too schmaltzy. It, it, it worked a couple times, but... It doesn't get me energized, and yet somehow for this trailer, it works. I, I am interested on what they're going to do with Mark Hamill as Skeletor. He still uses his Joker voice, and Alan Oppenheimer is still in this series. He's not Skeletor. He's Mossman, and I know that Kevin Smith is part of it, so he put his daughter in there. Jason Muse is going to be Stinkor. I'm kind of curious how that's going to work, but... All in all, I, I don't know if it's going to be like the 2002 series. 
I don't know if we're going to have to learn a lesson at the end. Hopefully not. I just want to see an action-packed He-Man. As, oh, you, you got to love the PSAs at the end. Come on, man. Well, I, I don't put the no, don't put butter in the cat's ear. Stephen Root is cringer. I find that to be amusing. So it, it it does seem like a good cast. It does seem like very good animation. I, I from what I understand, I th- I think it's going to be in parts. I, I think there's 26 episodes, 13 in July, and then another 13 down the road. So, yeah, I cannot wait for the end of July, and I know we're going to be talking about this series as well. I, I am definitely intrigued. I, I'm hoping – I know they had She-Ra. I don't know if they're going to be able to do a crossover with that she series and He-Man. It would be interesting. I would like to see Hordak come back. He was always an interesting villain, and they were supposed to put him in the 2002 version, but it never happened because it got canceled. So – I've heard this is supposed to be a sequel. I'm not too sure of the 80s or the 2002, but if it does happen, it would really be intriguing what they can do. So, yes, again, uh, two things that did not disappoint me this week, He-Man and Loki. So, two, yeah, two and zero. Yay. That's always good to hear, my friend. When you're happy, the pop culture universe is happy as well. I'm so glad that you have the power to go back to Eternia once again. You get that? Get that pun? Yes. Well, okay. If we had time, I could tell you about every single He-Man toy that I ever had. I, and uh, except that, yeah. That's for another conversation for another Yeah, we'll day. say that oh, for we'll, July. Yeah, we'll say that for there July. There you go. Sounds good indeed. But once again, it is knowing and fine. you got to catch his shows on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts under the moniker Honeyqueen and join his awesome groups on Facebook, Honeyqueen as well. Noah, it's great to have you again talking some great things about Loki and He-Man. And coming up on the back half of the show, we've got another great panel from E3 2021 Day 4 talking Nintendo and more. That's coming up on the back half of the show. Plus, Ellen Glassford has thoughts on Loki Episode 2. That's coming up as well. This is the PCC Multiverse. If you want to see the coolest action figure collections out there, the stuff that you played with as a kid, hear from industry insiders that made the toys that really truly defined who we are. And you got to check out season one of Action Figure Adventure. Check out Action Figure Adventure now, exclusively at Big Bad Toy Store. You'll get 10 episodes of awesome action figure fun. I guarantee if you grew up playing toys, you will love Action Figure Adventure. Again, I didn't seem like to me there was a whole lot that people could just hang their head on for stuff that's coming out this year. And I don't think a Metroid 2D game, and let's go ahead and get the title correct, Metroid Dread was going to be arriving near the Switch on October 8th. I don't think that's going to be a system seller. I mean, I, I know a lot of people have been clamoring for the Metroid franchise for a long time to be revived in some format. This does take it back to the olden days of retro lore. I want to hear your thoughts on if Metroid Dread can actually be a, a, a substantial key component of the holiday season for Nintendo. For one, Metroid Dread is a game that they first started announcing in like 2005. So to actually see that game finally come out after so many years, originally it was supposed to be on like the Game Boy Advance. So to see that game finally show up now is, is kind of amazing. Honestly, the thing is, Nintendo will tell you immediately, all these other games, Pokemon, Zelda, Mario, I can't think of the other game, have all had anniversaries. They're all getting acknowledged. Metroid is the only one, really, that's not getting any kind of service, and it really tells you how they feel 
about Metroid as a system seller. Metroid is, along with a lot of these other games, it's a great showpiece for the Switch. It will be one of those that people that love the Switch that already have it are going to pick it up. I don't know that it's something that people see it in a store and go, I'm going to buy that. Now, if you're a, an old school fan like I am, the Metroidvanias and the platformers of, you know, back in the Super Nintendo Nintendo days, you see that you don't have the Switch yet. Maybe that applies to you. But I think if you're looking at the younger generation, they may not even know what Metroid is at all. Because honestly, they're going to know Samus from Super Smash Brothers. They're not going to know Samus from the game that she's from. But I mean, that's the thing is they don't really have to hold on to Metroid to be the system seller. They have Pokemon coming in November. They have other things coming. Uh, Mario Party that they showed. WarioWare is a great party game that I'm surprised that they brought back as well. Like they have a lot of things during this season that's going to be able to sell the system itself. I mean, those are some support franchises you were talking about. And Chase, I want to ask you real quickly on this. Thank you, Sean, for those thoughts. And I want to ask you on those support franchises like Mario Party. I mean, I know a lot of people out there, especially here in the Las Vegas area, that are huge into Mario Party. And Mario Party Superstars is going to be coming out right around the end of October, October 29th. And then you also have a month before Another, I don't want to say it's a party game per se, but it's very similar in that there's a lot of micro games that are added to it. It's called WarioWare, Get It Together. I want to hear your thoughts on these support franchises. These are not the big names that I think that Nintendo wants to roll out, but these are consistent sellers, consistent fan, just appreciated games. And I know we're going to get to the fun stuff with the Game & Watch here in a little bit, but I want to hear your thoughts on these support games, you know, and how they help the overall Nintendo look? Because these are games that you're surprised. They go under the radar, but they still sell really well. Here's the thing, though, because WarioWare, I love. I think the reason why WarioWare works so well is because it's not just a mini game. You are also on a mini timer. So you're playing a mini game, and instead of having a minute or two, you're getting maybe 10 to 30 seconds, if you're lucky, or sometimes even five to complete the task, and that and, and it gets, uh, you know, it gets faster and faster and faster, so it gets more challenging. Yeah. And I think what's going to work for this one now is that you're going to bring in a second player for get it together for a Mario Party. I think the reason why that works so well is because in the '90s, when board games are going away and more people playing video games, Nintendo decided to make, and they did have a Mario board game for in the late 80s but they decided to now bring it to the video game console and i think it was just a great party game and you can get a bunch of people and play it which still works to this day but warioware i just have to say again it's more challenging with those games because you really have to pay attention it's Mario Party Superstars is meant to be more fun for a group environment. Right. Well, I, I agree. I agree. But the yeah. thing is that you, you really you, you can't blink and you miss it when it comes to a WarioWare game. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me get Chase in here real quick. Your thoughts on either of those? Although I know Noah had that Game & Watch in hand already, but I know the announcement of a Zelda Game & Watch was really cool, and I know a lot of people wanted to talk about that as well. Your turn, Chase. Go ahead, my friend. Well, well... I'll say this regarding so regarding like whether or not uh, or Metroid Dread is going to be a system seller. I, I'm going to say yes, and the reason why because I think yeah is 
Metroid as big as I mean, is Metroid as big as Mario or Zelda? No, that is definitely not the case. But Nintendo's been able to sell systems and sell a lot of copies off of first-party games. And you remember Splatoon when that even first came out on the Wii U. It's it, it sold really well. I think it's even one of the top-selling uh, Wii U games. So, I know Metroid for the Wii was a really strong seller. Yeah. So for Metroid, even though there hasn't been like a, a console Metroid game in years, and, and it's not even out of nostalgia, just the game looks cool. That, that's why it stood out to me the most out of all it, because as much as I enjoy Nintendo, I do feel like sometimes they do get carried away over nostalgia. That's why with, uh, when you talk about Mario Party, objectively, it's going to sell like, it's going to sell crazy because there's a lot of families that love to play Mario Party and if you can add online to it. It's going to do really well. Subjectively, it's not for me because I already have Mario Party 1 through 3 on Nintendo 64. This sell me the same game with better graphics for $60. I, I just don't think I'm going to get it. And that's the same with Game & Watch, is that I can already play Legend of Zelda 1, 2, uh, Link's Awakening, and I get it. There, there's the appeal of having a Game & Watch I, for those who really want it, but for me, it's like, I got the But it games, touches on nostalgia. Know. Yeah. It touches yeah. on that collector vibe. I think that's a, yeah. that's part of the deal as well. Yeah, I, and I feel like that's another, I mean, that's another point that's gonna, or going to sell towards and not only that but having limited stock because that's another thing nintendo does i'm trying to even think of a first party nintendo game that did not sell well that didn't sell consoles yeah uh, i mean i mean you could say yeah. something like splatoon has sold well as a side game but it's not something that's really moved the platform itself i mean obviously they're coming I mean, out with a different splatoon i mean it's debatable it's debatable i don't know if I mean, it depends on exactly how you look at it. And another game that's even not a, an official Nintendo property, but that is coming out with a new game, is Mario Plus Rabbits. That's something that has really sold well on this version of Nintendo Switch. Sean, I want to ask you your thoughts. When you heard that, uh, and obviously it was announced earlier this weekend, that Mario Plus Rabbits was coming out with a new game in the series, and that's going to be Sparks of Hope, what were your thoughts on that? Because if you look at the overall sales numbers, Mario Plus Rabbits has done really, really well. Yeah, but, uh, well, first of all, I uh, was actually really excited for this game because the first one, and the, excuse me, the name is blanking out. I mean, I know it's uh, Mario Rabbits Kingdom something. Well, Mario Plus Rabbits uh, Sparks of Hope. Well, I can't remember what the first one was called right now. Oh, the first one, the first one. Yeah, yeah, the first one, because the first one sold really, really well. Mm-hmm. It's actually, if you look at the top 10, of all time, as far as for Switch so far, that's what's right in there. And that's not an official, it's an Ubisoft title. So actually, that's that's what's the most amazing part. It's Obviously, it's a collaboration between Nintendo and Ubisoft. But yeah, it's, it's so interesting to see that mix. Yeah, I was looking yeah. that up, and uh, I still can't remember the name of the first game. Though. Yeah, I just, Kingdom uh, Battle. Kingdom Battle. Yeah, yeah. Kingdom, Kingdom Battle. Battle. Thank you. And, and it was Kingdom something. But yeah, that was one I was really excited for because uh, I played it. And uh, at first I was a little hesitant because I was like, you know, this is Ubisoft taking on one of Nintendo's, you know, biggest IPs. And that's not something Nintendo does does very lightly. Because if you look in the past, if you look, I, I was going to make like a little uh, Zelda 
joke with, you know, Link to the Past and talk about the Zelda games on the Philips, what was that, the, the CDI? CDI, CDI uh, yes. And we see how bad those turned out, and we see why Nintendo is very protective of their IP. So then to see with Ubisoft, who traditionally has some issues with some games where, you know, the Assassin, like the Assassin's Creed series gets kind of, um, you know, redundant and uh, Watch Dogs doesn't live up to the hype. Things like that where it's hit or miss with them to see them taking on such an iconic IP like Mario it was questionable. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I had my doubts. Then I played the game and with it being, you know, a, a strategy type game, that was what actually sold me on it because it's just it was so different and then the rabbits are so delightfully annoying that it's just like you know like they're just oh my god like uh what was instagram peach i can't uh rabbit peach you know she was like the highlight of the game because she was so ridiculous and so over the top but it just gelled it worked so i can see why the game sold well and i can see why it did well and uh, especially with uh, illumination working on um you know like a mario movie Similar, I mean, the Illumination also has uh, the Minions movie, which the rabbits are very similar to. So you can kind of see this is all building and where this is all going. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to go very far. And obviously, I think of all the games that were announced, I have the highest hopes outside of, of course, Breath of the Wild 2, which many of us now think might not be until 2023. I have a feeling that this could very well be one of the games to look forward to for Nintendo coming up in the not-too-distant future. But some great things were said at this conference for Nintendo. wasn't exactly everything everyone had wanted, but then again, that seems to be every E3 conference that, you know, that they ever have. But before we head on out, guys, and before we have each and every one of you plug exactly what you want everybody out there to go ahead and catch, Hamanish, I'm going to start for, with you. I want to go ahead and hear your thoughts on the weekend because you said you're all about Xbox. You're all about sports games and things of that nature. One of the things to me that was missing was EA and 2K promoting its sports games. The the most I heard about the sports games was EA getting hacked on FIFA games. And that's that's the most I really heard about the sports games during the course of the, the E3 presentations that were made this weekend. But I want to hear your thoughts on this weekend. Did anything really stand out to you? Just like the sports games in general not getting announced, they did tease the, the covers for the NFL 20, 2022, the, just the cover for that and the FIFA one. So, I mean, they gave a couple of, like, spoilers and hinters, but, I mean, just how, like, all the sports games work, it depends on the players that come in, and they kind of accumulate that and try to change it based on the speed and the ability. And so, you know, I, I guess... I wasn't so I was looking forward to it to see what how would like what was some of the features you would add in terms of like uh, I know in the recent NHL and um, NBA or even the FIFA games they had a couple of features where you could like dribble the ball pass around the players like um, in terms of getting quicker to the goal the destination so it would have been interesting to see what did they put else into the new system, but um, it wasn't too bad. I agree with you, Sean Garmer. You were saying offline that you thought you'd be surprised if Sony ever comes back to E3. I've actually been to E3 and seen their presentations. I remember one where we went to the Los Angeles Sports Arena and they did this big presentation. Uh, I truly miss those days when Sony was a part of it. And then I, I also like the fact that they 
when they had separate presentations, you would go to one side, you go to actually USC Galen Center, you saw Microsoft, and then you'd walk down a few hours later and you go see at the end of the evening, you see what Sony has and everybody in the middle. And it was those days I will miss. And I know that even when everybody comes back uh, or when it does come back live in 2022, it's not going to be the same like that anymore. But Sean Garmer, I want to hear from you. What were some of the things that stood out to you this weekend at E3? Uh, what stood out to me the most is that the companies that are used to doing digital presentations know how to do digital presentations. Uh, Ubisoft, Xbox, Nintendo, they all nailed it. Uh, Devolver, who does amazing, funny stuff, also nailed it as well. The indies were a big, huge uh, win for this. The companies that don't do these presentations very often, it felt like they just brought something because they could or the ASA asked them to, one of the two. And that's pretty much it. Like, there's sometimes where less is more. If you don't have anything to show, don't show anything because some of these were just very, very, it felt like, why did I even spend this 30 minutes sitting here? Capcom, Gearbox, you know, like this, it was a total, like, if you, if the word filler existed, like this could have been an email. It didn't need to exist at all. But from what was shown, Xbox absolutely told you what their mission is. For the next two years, Game Pass is our deal. All these games can be in Game Pass. Come and play all this stuff, all these games that are coming. We finally have exclusives, which is the thing everybody says Xbox doesn't have games. I think by the time you got done with this, Xbox has games now. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis well before we head on out thought i'd go ahead and get some thoughts on the latest episode of loki episode two because it is already premiered on disney plus we're already well into episode two and loki series is seems to be going in the right direction a little bit of mystery intrigue on what's happening next and for those out there who want to be in the know in regards to loki or who have seen it and want to hear our thoughts here today is one of my favorite Marvel experts that's out there. She is the pop culture expert of the Glassford household. It is my wonderful daughter, Ellen Glassford. And Ellen, great to have you back once again, my Marvel superior. Thanks for having me back. Absolutely. So, Loki Episode 2 is now in the books as well. I spoke to Noah Ian Fine and his thoughts this week on him catching up with the premiere and where we stand with Loki. We heard last week thoughts from myself and Marcus on Loki, and I thought it got off to a decent start. I really like the interplay with Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. I really think that's the backbone of the show and why this show will ultimately, well, at least hopefully, be a success. It's earned big ratings for Disney Plus. It's actually the highest rated premiere of any of the Marvel shows. In fact, for any show for Disney Plus. So that's great news for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I want to hear your thoughts as far as where we're at with Loki and, and obviously the, the fact that it didn't 
come down to something I was fearing about where it would just become, hey, Loki's going to catch this variant of the week. Hey, Loki's going to be catching this variant of the week. We come to a point where he has found out where the variant, the one that has been killing all the TV agents, has been hiding. And it's led up to a time in the future from now, our present day. It's about, I think, 2050 in Alabama catches up to the variant and the variant actually wanted to be caught because the variant itself or herself i should say set a trap for loki yeah i think the end reveal was pretty cool with the character that we saw at the end i have theories on who that is i don't think it's the obvious answer but she was really cool and i'm excited to see more of her in the show Absolutely. I think it's going to be a blend from what I'm able to look as far as the background, as far as also as well, the Easter eggs that have been planted throughout the couple episodes so far of Loki. I have a feeling that it is not someone 100% lifted from the comic books because from what we've seen on leaks, what we've seen from social media and what we've seen from stills from the episode, it appears that this could be a combination of a Lady Loki and the Enchantress, who is a Marvel arch-villain slash sometimes hero during the course of the comic book series. And I'm assuming from what I'm seeing, because of what has happened and what the Easter eggs are out there, some of which is just listed on reports that our Loki that we know, Tom Hiddleston, has been researching and found out and uncovered plus also as well just some clues that have been left in so i want to hear your thoughts on this possibility that this isn't exactly 100 percent the same enchantress from the comic books but something a little bit different yet still much the same i think marvel wants us to think that it's a lady loki but i think that it is a form of the second Enchantress from the comics. Her name is Sylvie. She is... I was reading um, the comic series Dark Rain, and she is in that, and she basically gains powers overnight by unknown means, and it's revealed that she actually gets powers from Lady Loki in the comics, and she takes on the persona sort of the superhero persona of the old enchantress amora i think this character is sylvie i think she's a little bit different than the one in the comics but i think she's gonna end up being sylvie and she's gonna end up having some sort of relation to whatever timeline she's from she's gonna have some sort of relation with Loki. Well, the thing is that Sylvie is a name that's already been mentioned in the credits for the actress who has been playing this role, but it wasn't in the U.S. version. It was one in one of the South American versions that she was listed as Sylvie. So that's very curious right there that that's the case. But the Enchantress, if you're not familiar with the character, uh, it, like Loki, master of manipulation, but also can go ahead and do a little bit of mind control and hypnotizing 
And we saw this to be the case during the course of the second episode where she hypnotizes one of the TVA agents to go ahead and kill the other TVA agents and then ultimately is captured herself by this Lady Loki. We'll just leave that for now. We'll just call her Lady Loki and takes her through another time portal where she's held captive until she's freed by other TVA agents. But by that time, she's already given word to this Lady Loki the exact location of the timekeepers, which ultimately could be the issue of the day where the timekeepers ultimately are playing a role, even though we haven't yet to see them. There's these three essential beings. They're the keepers of the sacred timeline. And in doing so, they could ultimately be the hero or the villain in this case, depending on where the series will take it. And Lady Loki is on a mission to go ahead and stop time of itself by creating all these divergent timelines branching out into a chaotic mess of a, of a timeline, destroying all reality in and of itself. Now, our Loki is caught up in the middle of this and follows Lady Loki at the very end. Your thoughts on how this all transpired, the fact that they were able to uncover that the way she's been getting in and out of timelines and, and how she's been able to do that is by hiding out for periods of time in certain apocalypses. And I thought that was a very unique touch. But your thoughts on exactly how they've laid this out so far and your hopes for the future of Loki. I thought that was really unique. And you can tell the writers of this show put a lot of thought into the plot of the show. And I think it's really unique from any other series I've seen. So I'm excited to see what happens next and what happens with Loki going after the variant. And that's going to be very interesting to see. But to me, above all else, I think it's, I think it was a better episode than the first episode. I didn't think the, the first episode was bad at all. I thought it was okay. I think it's a little bit better, not a whole lot better, but a little bit better. But the key of this whole series and the backbone, as I stated earlier, and I've stated already on more than one occasion, is the camaraderie and the relationship between Tom Hiddleston's Loki and Owen Wilson's Mobius and the dynamic between the two. And their heart-to-heart talks are so fascinating. In fact, to me, it's some of the best dialogue I've ever seen and ever heard in the entire Marvel Universe. If you concur with me, that's great. If you don't, I understand. But I want to hear your thoughts on this dynamic between the two, because for me, that's provided some of the most fascinating television I've seen out of this Marvel Universe. Yeah, definitely. I think Loki and Mobius, how they interact and how Tom Hiddleston and Owen Wilson act in their scenes together is just really they're, they're a really great couple of characters to have together, and they have a really interesting dynamic, and they're my favorite part of this show. They're my favorite part of this show as well. And usually uh, you know, movies that get really bogged down in exposition or shows that get really bogged down in exposition can be troubling, just boring, and people will just go ahead and turn it off. In this case, when you have so many movies in the Marvel Cinematic Universe have been all about rush, 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 let's go ahead and save the day. 
this is what we need to do to get the bad guy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's it. This does some of that. This does go as far as investigation into who is actually this variant Loki is that they're going after, why this variant Loki is doing what they're doing, how they're doing it. And of course, where, where can they find this variant Loki? That's ultimately a great part of the second episode, but for me also as well, it, it just some of the touches along the way, adding a little bit of Thor Ragnarok, adding a little bit more explainers, their talk between Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston during the course of their lunch break. I really enjoyed the analogy that Loki made with Mobius' salad per se. I really enjoyed the context of those discussions because they really have helped bring around the dynamic. And I think it's helping set up the dynamic for what's going to be taking place in this next phase of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, definitely. I've heard that this Loki show will set up a lot of multiverse and timeline stuff that we'll see in Doctor Strange. And I like that we're getting a lot of explanation about timeline things because it was all kind of confusing after Avengers Endgame where the timeline was left and everything. So I'm glad that we're getting pretty good explanations of the multiverse and timeline and branches and things in this show. Now, I'm hoping that everybody will stick with it because there is a lot of exposition. And I know a lot of people come for the Marvel Universe for action, 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 action. There has been a decent bit of action in as part of the show already, but... A lot of it is helping to explain and set up what is going to be taking place over the next few years for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I hope everybody takes note of what is being said now in Loki because it really is going to be setting up the future of the Marvel Universe. Hello and Glassford, it's always great having you on. I cannot thank you enough. But any last thoughts on Loki before we head on out? Tom Hiddleston as Loki just really great performance absolutely doesn't ever seem to get old no matter how many times he plays the character in fact he's probably been in more of the marvel cinematic universe now than virtually anybody that's been out there i mean maybe he's passing up cap maybe he's passing up thor maybe he's passing up robert downey jr at this point as far as amount of sheer number of minutes being played in the marvel cinematic universe but again it just never seems to get old he seems to always enjoy playing this character and finding new ways to go ahead and keep his character fresh to the audience. So kudos to Tom Hiddleston and also, again, his dynamic with Owen Wilson, some of the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe to this point. So I'm looking forward to more episodes of Loki. I'm hoping everything as far as the world building gets a little bit better around it. And if that's the case, you're going to end up having one of the best shows that's out there on television, much less the Marvel Universe. But we'll see. That's continuing. But Elowen, hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you again and talk Loki in the near future. And we cannot thank you enough for being part of the pop culture cosmos. I want to thank so much Andrew Davis from Pop Anime Comics, CEO Spoken King from the T-Corner Podcast and 44th and Flushing on the Fishbowl Radio Network, Sean Garmer from W2Mnet.com, Chase Pond from Ponds Press, Noe and Fine, of course, from Honey Queen, Twitch streamer Sean Shamrock, 
and Himanish Goel for their thoughts on E3 2021. And of course, my own daughter want to give her a big shout out as well. We're going to have Josh back in the saddle with me coming up on Monday's program. We're going to be talking about a lot of great things in pop culture right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great